0: I got a call from tenant A one night that said his neighbor, tenant B, broke into his house and stole his hair clippers, you know, like that you cut your hair with or whatnot. But the best part is apparently that his neighbor didn't only just steal his hair clippers, but replaced them with a older model hair clippers. (laughs) And uh, I said, how do do you know this? You know, like he goes, well, I, I called Walmart where I bought my hair clippers from and this model that I have in my bathroom. They haven't sold for like seven years, and I bought mine five years ago. I'm like, well, how did he get into your house? Well, I don't know, Like, because the, the doors are fine, the windows are fine, everything was locked. And uh, I'm like, well, how the heck did he get your house And He goes, well, he climbed through the vents, <laughs> which I think we all know, a vent and a duplex really, one, they're really generally not connected, and two, I don't think a human can get through them. But he was bound and determined to convince me that uh, his neighbor climbed into his house, replaced his hair clippers with an older model so he'd get the newer model Um, and left no evidence of of actually breaking into the property. So true story on my my grave, uh, one of the most bizarre things I've ever encountered.
1: It is a common saying amongst real estate investors that you make money when you buy, not when you sell. While this catchy phrase has value, it fails to convey how easy it is to lose money through poor property management. Whether you self-manage or hire a professional, it is important to understand how to navigate the common pitfalls and challenges with rental properties, without losing your shirt or your mind. That's why you have tuned in to Maximizing Your Property Value, The Apartment Owner's Guide to Operating Rental Properties as a Successful Business. I'm your host John Stiles, real estate agent and team leader of the VIP Real Estate Group at Bridge Realty. As a current multifamily investor and former property manager myself, I understand the headaches and difficulties of keeping an investment property from becoming a money pit and time sucker. It takes a solid business plan, it takes tested systems, and it takes key team members to actually find success. So let's take a deep dive and maximize your property value. Welcome back to another episode of Maximizing Your Property Value. I'm your host, John Stiles, and I am very pleased to introduce you to you Kevin Ortner from Renters Warehouse, the CEO and President. And Kevin, I really appreciate you coming in today and being a part of my show here. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm I'm really excited about it. Wonderful. And Kevin, I think a lot of people know the name Renters Warehouse. You guys have really grown a lot over the past several years. You've kind of become a household name. But for any of Our audience out there who maybe doesn't know the history or kind of what you guys are doing now, uh, could you fill us in a little bit about uh, Renters Warehouse as a company and you as in your role there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Renters Warehouse is a full service real estate investment firm. So, we started out here in uh, Minneapolis, where we are, uh, as a uh, local property manager about 12 years ago, uh, maybe 12 and a half years ago now, and uh, have since grown to have 42 offices across the country. We manage about 23,000 homes. Uh, for about 18,000 different investors. So our primary focus is really retail investors, mom-and-pop investors, who have one, two, maybe five homes. We also are doing some work with some of the institutional uh, Wall Street money that's out there buying single-family homes, which we've all heard a lot about. So we have some clients that have several thousand homes across the country and uh, take care of full-service property management needs, from leasing homes and collecting rent and coordinating maintenance and repairs and accounting, all the things that go into that day-to-day piece of property management. We also recently uh, launched some technology to help real estate investors analyze new markets or maybe analyze their next real estate investment as well uh, to really try and make it easier. right? It can be so difficult to have to go through the spreadsheets and find the right property, et cetera. So we launched our investor marketplace, which takes a lot of data, compiles it, puts it all together and makes it really easy to search for your next rental property as well. So that's new for us this year. Um, I've been doing this uh, with Renters Warehouse for over ten years now. I started out as one of our franchisees down in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Found myself back here in Minneapolis, and have been growing our corporate offices ever since. Uh, so, I've been doing it a long time. Uh, it's been a fun road, and uh, just really, you know, investment, real estate, single-family homes. It's definitely my passion. Helping people find that financial freedom, that independence that can come from investing in properties over the long term. Uh, so, really
1: excited to talk to you about it today. Okay, wonderful. Um... And so you kind of touched on this a little bit, but I just want to kind of identify what your company's focus is. You you mentioned single-family homes. Is that primarily the type of properties that you manage? Yeah, mainly single-family,
0: which includes, you know, true single-family homes, condos, townhomes, and we'll do some small multifamily as well, Uh, you know, duplexes, fourplexes, really anything that doesn't need on-site management. We oftentimes won't do many more than maybe a 12-unit building. Uh, we have done larger, but, uh, we primarily focus on single family, uh, and I'd say probably 97% of our portfolio is a, a true
1: single family home. Okay. Wonderful. So, you know, one of the purposes of this show is to help out our small property owners and, um, give them ideas how to like the show title states maximize their property value. Sure. Um, Part of that is interacting with a property manager like yourself. Yep. Um, so, you know how how do you kind of divide up the responsibilities within your company to make sure that you're serving the client's best needs, best interests. Yeah. And kind of keeping an a good overall picture of what's going on in the in the property. Yeah, I think transparency is key for that, right? A lot of uh, property investors can
0: be frustrated with the relationship they have with a property manager that's maybe uh, not using advanced technology or trying to bring new technology to the forefront and doing property management on spreadsheets and things like that, which still happens out there. Uh, And so we've really spent a lot of time building and developing our own proprietary systems that allow a lot of transparency with our property owners, allow them to give input where they want to, uh, and also just kind of sit back and watch things happen when they want to as well. And as far as internally what we found works best is we're really a departmentalized property management company versus a portfolio management. And what I mean by that is rather than going and hiring a really smart guy like John and saying, John, here's your 120 homes to manage and you do everything. you got to lease them, coordinate maintenance, collect the rent, uh, handle any evictions that might come up, all that kind of stuff. We have departments throughout the organization that handle different tasks of property management. So we have a group of rent collectors that all they do all day long is collect rent, make sure the money's coming in on time, track it down. And the amazing thing is when you start to specialize like that, you can really find and hire people who love doing that task. There's not tons of people in the world that love to collect rent all day, but uh, when you find them, it's awesome. They, they they're passionate about it. The best thing is they don't forget. You don't run into a situation where a maintenance request or a a lease signing happens or something else happens and and you don't get to that rent collection part. Right. And the same thing with maintenance, we have a whole group of maintenance coordinators that take the maintenance requests look at them and understand if it's a tenant responsibility or a a landlord or homeowner responsibility. Uh, They understand what the pricing should be in certain markets for these types of things, negotiate with our vendors to get the best pricing, et cetera. So we really broke it up to make sure we have, uh, you know, subject matter experts that work on all aspects of property management. And uh, then we've got the technology to make sure that all the, uh, you know, the lines don't get across when people are working on it. So that's kind of how we do it internally. Everyone does it a little bit differently, but we found that's the way we can continue to scale our business and also deliver great results, whether it's, you know, data and KPI results and property performance uh, or just a good customer experience for our clients as well.
1: Yeah. So, and I, I really understand how separating the roles like that can be beneficial for specialization mm-hmm. and, and growth mm-hmm. and handling all those different properties. Uh, I myself used to be a property manager uh-huh. and I was kind of in a, a different model where I was, I had a portfolio that yep. I was responsible for. Right. And I think the, the big benefit for that model is I knew what everything was going on. Yep. But the downside was I got really overwhelmed right. and it was hard to keep up with everything yeah
0: there's definitely pros and cons to both um, i think portfolio management you can uh, probably have deeper relationships with the tenants that are in the property because you're the only person that's doing work or interacting with them uh, and maybe even deeper relationships with the property investor at the same time we, we try and do to overcome that again is really leverage on and lean on technology and a great system internally where anyone who's working on a property or taking on a task on a property at any given time can see the history of what's been happening, follow up with a, a tenant on a, maybe a rent collection issue while they're having a conversation with them about maintenance. Uh, so it tries to keep it cohesive, but we do have to lean on technology to do that. And sometimes you, you, you know, sacrifice some of the the maybe more personal or action you can get from having one person do all those tasks. Uh, but I think, uh, we're a little biased because of how we do it, but we believe that you know the the pros outweigh the cons and it and it allows for a pretty good experience overall and, and most importantly good property performance
1: yeah and so do you have a, one of those roles is that like your point person for interaction with the property owner yeah
0: yeah so um, you know if you have one home with us, you might end up talking to several different people um, you know over the course of a year depending on what's happening with your property as you grow and become a larger portfolio owner you have four or five, six homes Uh, will actually designate you a point of contact so that you don't have to worry about who do I have to go talk to about this question, or I've got two different questions on three different properties, uh, and we try and simplify that as as things move up.
1: Okay, wonderful. So what I want to do now is I have a segment of our show that's called Tenants Make Me Laugh, okay? (laughs) And so I was wondering if you could tell us a story from your experience or your company's experience of something that you just can't make up that, you know, something a tenant did, or maybe it could be something with your contractor or something that, you know, you just can't make this stuff up.
0: Yes, I do. In fact, I was just, just talking about this uh, in my office yesterday, uh, oddly enough. And it's something that happened probably almost 10 years ago. uh, But it was one of those things that makes you laugh and you certainly can't make up. And it was uh, profound enough that I remember the names of the individuals that were involved in it. But it was actually, and it's just like, this is the stuff that happens in property management that um, unless you've actually been in property management or you're a real estate investor and you've seen this stuff, people don't believe it, right? The crazy stuff we deal with. So I had a uh, property in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. It was out in Apache Junction. It was a duplex. And uh, so obviously one tenant on one side, another tenant on another side, side side-by-side duplex. And they just did not get along at all. Uh, and so we would, uh, field calls from these people all the time, uh, when, just when they're having an argument, you know, uh, so-and-so kind of looked at me funny when I came home from work today. Can you give him a call and talk to him about that? You know, like that's <laughs> not really in our job description or our purview, you know, so you guys need to work out your, your, your things yourself. Uh, you know, those typical neighbor complaints, but the, the point of that, so th- these guys were always going at it. Um, and we were getting calls about it. And this is when we were, we were much smaller. I probably managed 20, 30 homes in Phoenix at the time. And so I was, you know, on the ground doing everything. And uh, so I was taking those calls from on my cell phone all the time. And the, uh, the, the story that's just unbelievable is I got a call from tenant A one night that said his neighbor, tenant B, broke into his house and stole his hair clippers. You know, like that you cut your hair with or whatnot. But the best part is apparently that his neighbor didn't only just steal his hair clippers, but replaced them with a older model hair clippers. And uh, I said, how do do you know this? You know, like he goes, well, I I called Walmart where I bought my hair clippers from. And this model that I have in my bathroom, they haven't sold for like seven years. And I bought mine five years ago. I'm like, well, how did he get into your house? Well, I don't know. Like, because the doors are fine. The windows are fine. Everything was locked. And uh, i like, well, how the heck did you get your house out? He goes, away, well, he climbed through the vents, <laughs> which I think we all know a vent and a duplex, really. One, they're really generally not connected. And two, I don't think a human can get through them. But he was bound and determined to convince me that uh, his neighbor climbed into his house, replaced his hair clippers with an older model so he'd get the newer model um, and left no evidence of, of actually breaking into the property. <laughs> so true story on my, on my grave, uh, one of the most bizarre things I've ever encountered. Uh, it was very, very interesting. So,
1: wow, that one made me laugh.
0: <laughs> very good. This is why you hire property managers to deal with these things for yeah. you when you're uh, when you're investing in real estate. So you don't have to take those calls.
1: Yep, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's a good transition um, into my next segment, which is about customer uh, sorry customer service and relationship management. You know, despite these kind of crazy things that can happen yeah. and and the different difficulties. Uh, maybe with rent collection or different things. You know, how do you see customer service as um, a part of being a property manager?
0: It's almost entirely what it is, right? Uh, whether you're talking about what the challenge of being a property manager is, we really have two customers. We have a client who we have a fiduciary responsibility to, which is the property owner and the homeowner, but we also have a customer in the tenant. And oftentimes, those two parties want very different things. Uh, if there's a maintenance request, something breaks. Uh, obviously, the the investor and us as their property manager, we want to find the most efficient, cost effective, quality repair we can. And sometimes it might take a day or two to get someone to come out there. Uh, whereas the tenant wants it fixed in an hour, uh, and they want you know it replaced with the latest and greatest model, or you know they want to upgrade the house at the same time it's being happened. So the 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 truth or the right answer oftentimes lays lays somewhere in between. And maybe not everybody's entirely happy with the outcome, but we've done the best we can for both parties to keep our property investor and our client out of trouble with the laws and keeping the property in good shape while keeping the tenant in and paying et etc so uh, property management's really just communication and dealing with uh, conflict a lot, uh, even if it 's not people arguing and yelling there's co- there's inherent conflict in maintenance uh, from both sides it's you know it's someone's home they're living in and something's not working and they want it fixed. Uh, And so customer service is very, very important. And I think uh, far too few property managers actually look at the tenant as one of their customers because really they get paid from the, the property owner. That's who our contract's with, and that's how we make our money. But as we're talking about maximizing your property's value or maximizing your property's performance, the tenant is really key to your return on investment, keeping your tenant happy, keeping them paying, keeping them in the property. Turnover is what kills you in this business, having downtime, vacancy, rehab repairs, all that kind of stuff. And so having a good positive relationship with your resident, even if it sometimes means maybe spend a little bit more than you wanted to spend on a repair or giving them a credit for something when something happens, you know, you don't want to be overly generous with those things or just kind of whittles down your returns as well. But uh, I think that's just super important. And so our job is to really uh, advise our clients to that process and uh, hopefully create a great experience for our residents that are living on our properties while well, doing all we can to to maximize the return on investment. And that really just happens through good communication, educating both parties as to how things go and what the process looks like and why we're doing certain things. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, Customer service, while it's important in any business in this one, I, I look at customer service as just really great communication and expectation setting, and that's probably our number one job.
1: Yeah, and I, I really like that you've said that that the tenant is your customer as well. Right. Because, and, and especially it's important for the property owner, investor to understand that too, because without the tenant, there's no rental income, and without rental income, there's no value. There's no business. There's right. no business. Yeah, right. Right. So it's it's really important. I think a lot of property owners uh kind of forget it or don't realize it. You know, they just think they should be paying because you're giving them a property. Right.
0: Know? I mean, well it can be it can be um generally when you're dealing with your tenant or your resident that's living in the property, um again it's a problem. You don't often talk to your tenant just because and you're gonna say hello and ask how their day was. That rarely happens. Uh, and so when you are dealing with tenants, it's because some kind of problems there, whether the, there is a maintenance request, they're calling to give notice to move out, uh, they are going to be late on their rent, or they didn't pay their rent on time, or you're chasing it down, or whatever it is, there's some sort of issue. And uh, that's that's what property management is, and, it's, and you have to work through it. And that's why so many people like to outsource those things. They don't have to deal with problems all day long. But I think that's where the inherent, to your point, conflict of maybe – Investors oftentimes forgetting that the tenant's a very important part of this equation, and keeping them happy in the property, well, living inside the bounds of the lease agreement, is important and challenging. And I think it because oftentimes it's just frustrating, right? You get the call at the worst time ever. You just got home from work. You're sitting down for dinner, and now you got to deal with this issue. And uh, so, you know, it's inherently challenging, but uh, certainly a key piece of the business.
1: Yep. Very good. Um, So, can you give us any example of? How you've had to, you know, balance the the terms of the lease. Maybe when they're broken, the, the rent's not being paid, and you know, providing that quality customer service. You know, as opposed to like getting angry at the tenants yeah. or you know, maybe doing something rash. You know, how do you how do you balance that customer service with enforcing uh, the terms? Uh,
0: I think it all comes to expectations up front uh, with both our client and the the tenant. And setting those expectations pretty clearly, and it makes those conversations a lot easier. So when we move tenants into a property, I suggest everyone do this. uh, It's more than just a lease signing and move-in inspection, and here's the keys, and I'm on my way. Uh, It's taking the time to really sit down read through the important um, aspects of the lease, uh, such as, okay, here's your rent amount, here's when it's due, here's the grace period if there is any, here's the late fees, and you know what, I hate to do it, but when you pay your rent late, like we're going to enforce this because... You know, we're running a business over here, and so it's so just know up front, if your rent's late, this is the conversation we're going to have, and, and here's what happens. Here's how you make a maintenance request. Here's how you can call me. Here's what to expect when that happens. It's not going to be fixed likely the same afternoon unless it's an emergency. It takes a day or two to get a vendor to your property. So anyway, setting those expectations, what's the tenant's responsibilities inside of the lease, like changing light bulbs uh, or smoke detector batteries or furnace filters or whatever it might be? And what are my responsibilities as a property manager or a landlord to you? And just have that conversation. It takes 10 minutes. Um, and that way when it does come up uh, and they're annoyed about something because you're enforcing that late fee or you're calling them and asking where their rent is, like, hey, remember that conversation we had back? You agreed to this. I'm not trying to be a bad guy, but we've got a business to run. And I've got to be able to you know, make my payments just like you have to make your payments. And so how do we, how do we rectify this? How do we bring it together? Uh, and so I think it's expectation settings up front. And then just knowing that um, you can't take it personal, right? Uh, everyone's, you never know what's happening. It's, it's like any conversation, right? Or any interaction you have with humans every day. You never know what else is going on in that person's life. And so if they're calling you frustrated because they can't pay their rent, and you're like, why are they mad at me? It's not my fault, right? It's there's probably a lot of other stuff going on. And so having those conversations and trying to be um, compassionate and empathetic towards what's going on and saying, hey, I, again, I'm trying to run a business, and so I need that rent to come in, but okay, you can't pay it today. Uh, It's late. Like, what can you do? And if you haven't had an issue with the tenant in the past, that's often the best route to go and say, okay, like, let's work it out. Okay, you can pay half now and half in a week. If you miss it, I'm never going to give you another chance again, because, you know, I'll take your word now that you're going to make that payment. But if you don't, we're probably not going to have arrangements like this moving forward. And if they, if they fulfill their obligation, great, everyone's happy. If they don't, then you got to take the conversation to the next step. But you've been you know, you've done. I think at that point, what you can to um, uh, give that customer service and and be empathetic with what's happening in that person's life. Uh, and again, oftentimes, if you do that, and a tenant gets back on track, they're on track for a long time, and maybe a, a year from now, the same thing happens. But you probably have a little bit more hope that um, uh, you know they're, that they'll come through on what they're saying. A, a quick example about that. Frankly, at Renters, where else we're pretty. I don't know if militaristic is the right word, but we're very rigid in the fact that we're managing these properties for the people and it's not our money to be playing with and giving away and and extending deadlines. So we'll have conversations with the property owner if, if we are going to have to make a payment plan with a tenant or extend something. In. And uh, it's pretty much like a you pay or you're out situation in most cases because that's our business is ensuring that we're taking care of our property owners. Uh, but like being a plumber and how your house always leaks if you're a plumber because you're not fixing it. I have some personal properties that I used to uh, be pretty hands-on managing, not as much anymore. And I had a tenant that uh, he was going through a divorce. His wife was leaving him. He was trying to find a roommate. He wanted to stay in the house, couldn't come up with enough rent to pay and kind of said, Hey, if you uh, like, can I pay half this month? And I don't know when I'm going to be able to pay the other half, but I'll try and add it to the rent check and, and build it up over time, et cetera. And Against my better judgment, I said, okay, that's fine. Uh, It ended up working out great. He made his half a month's rent payment. He paid on time. The next month, I think he sent like 50 extra dollars. Um, Next month, he didn't really pay anything. Next month, he paid an extra 100 bucks kind of thing. And uh, long and short of the story is five or six months later, I got a check from him for the the, the remaining $400 he owed me and a note that said, hey, thanks so much for helping me out. My wife and I are back together. She's moved back in and like all is great with life and could have done without you. And so that was one of those situations where sometimes it does help to try and be flexible. But again, uh, we don't have that much flexibility with our clients. Uh, but for people who are managing their homes themselves, if you are in a situation where you can be maybe a little more generous than I would even recommend you be, uh, like that story, uh, you know, sometimes it works out really, really well. Um, yep. and so I think it's just, it's like human nature. You've got to find the balance.
1: Yep, You've touched on a lot of great things there. Number one, setting expectations, Number two, realizing that um, your tenants are people too. They have different scenarios that are going on in their lives and you don't know what's going on in their life, you know? Right. So, and just, and number three, you know, not taking things personally, because I think as property managers, speaking as a pre an ex-property yeah. manager. Recovering, recovering <laughs> property manager. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it can just kind of build up and it can all, um, eventually it can feel like, you know, the world's out to get you. But, yeah. um you just have to have build some thick skin there, right?
0: Know? Absolutely.
1: So, well, listen, I've got a actually a question from my audience, and oh, exciting. I wanted to let you take a look at that. Okay. Hey, this is John from Lakeville, and my question for your guest is:
0: What do I do when there's an unauthorized occupant? Do I add them to the lease? Do I kick everyone out? Um, what should I do? Thanks. All right. So John's question was about unauthorized occupants. So uh, generally speaking, and in some states it's actually law, every person over the age of 18 has to be on the lease. Uh, we actually notate children uh, that that will be living in the property as well um, in a different section of our lease. And so we have a pretty good grasp on who should be there. But every once in a while, you will do an inspection of a property, or find out one way or another that there's additional folks living in the house. And I think the best route to go uh, is to try and add them to the lease uh, because it doesn't interrupt your rental income. You don't go through the expense of an eviction. Sometimes evicting for that reason can be challenging. Again, depending on what state you might live in, or even what county you're in, your property's in, depending on the, the rules. So, looking at adding them to the lease is the most important. But Uh, It's more than obviously just writing the name of the lease and saying, having them sign it so now they're bound to the property in the terms. It's going through the full process, saying, all right, you know what? First, got to look at occupancy laws. And again, your local municipality might be different. The county might be different. The state might be different. Can you have this many people living in the property? If you can, if you can't, that's easy. Either that person has to move out or everybody has to move out, um, and you need to get proof of that. Uh, if you are able to add them to lease because you fit into the occupancy requirements, then go through the full background check. Say, you know what? Fine. You can be here. I just need to know about it. You need to be financially responsible. You need to be bound by the the agreement of the lease. So I need you to fill out an application, go through the background check process. And you're probably not necessarily looking as much at credit in that situation because you've already approved other people live there, um, that are paying and, and hopefully that continues. But really at this point, it's a criminal thing. Uh, and, um, you know, Make sure that they don't have any criminal background that might not fit inside of your box for, for allowing tenants. Then you also want to be in compliance with local, state, and federal rules around background checks. While some cities across the country, like Seattle, are really um, making it almost impossible to use background checks to deny people for any reason, there are still federal requirements around terrorist watch lists uh, you know, verifications and money laundering things, all these kind of things. We have to run folks through this and, and, you as a landlord or property owner, if you're not doing that right, can be liable. So it's important to get the background check, get comfortable with what that says, and then go through and add them onto the lease. So that would be the preferred route. If for some reason, um, uh, you know, you don't, you won't be fitting inside the occupancy restrictions of your city, uh, or for some other reason, you don't want them in the property or they don't pass your background screening, uh, then you need to either uh, formally in writing, ask that person leave and they can't be there. Then you're probably going to have some follow-up inspections. Uh, And, you know, if you get a feeling they're still there, you have proof they're still there, or you feel like they're not cooperating, then you may have to go through the full eviction process. But I would start first to directly answer the question with trying to add them to the lease.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's great. And I think one thing I wanted to get to in, in all of this show is to have people think through their systems and make Mm -hmm. sure that they're not always surprised because these types of things come up. Right. And, you know, to kind of have a plan of action when something like this does come up so you can know what to do.
0: Right. I think that's important. And, uh, there's a lot of surprises that can come up because, uh, we're dealing with humans and we're dealing with, uh, where people live and and a lot of emotions and things like that can come out of it. But really going in again, I think with the expectation as a real estate investor that things will pop up. It's not the end of the world. There's always ways to, to
1: fix it. Um, You just got to work through it yep and uh, so now I just want to speak to our audience quickly if anybody else would be willing to submit a question to my future guests I would appreciate it Uh, I like to just make this show kind of interactive and make it something where we can all learn and benefit so uh, there's going to be some comments in the show notes about how you can submit a question for our future guests so Hey, I want to interrupt the show quick to tell you about an exciting opportunity to take your real estate investing career to the next level. I'm talking about the North Star Real Estate Conference that's coming up September 20th and 21st of 2019 in the Twin Cities. At this conference, we'll have both local and national speakers covering topics such as syndicating apartment deals, crowdfunding, getting started in commercial real estate, business mindset, and so much more. Aside from the amazing speakers, what makes this conference great is that the proceeds from the event are dedicated to charity. Now, for a limited time, if you enter my last name as a promo code at checkout, you can get $100 off your ticket for the weekend. Again, type in S-T-I-L-E-S for $100 off your ticket. Just follow the link in the show notes, and I hope to see you there. Now, let's get back to the show. Okay, so next, I want to talk about maximizing income. So for any investment property it's often valued on uh, the net operating income. Mm-hmm. Now, not so much on single family houses, those are still traded you know based on comparable sales, but uh, to an extent the the value of an investment property is based on its income minus its, its expenses right so um, first of all. What is kind of maybe an area that some uh, property owners are missing where they could be maximizing their income, but they're missing out on it?
0: I think the easiest place to start um, is just ensuring that you're you're maximizing rents. Uh, I think a lot of time for people when they're really trying to maximize property value, they're getting ready to sell in a couple of years. So they want to make the numbers look as good as they can as they really start diving into where can I cut? Um, and you can spend a ton of time and a ton of effort trying to cut one or 2% from your expenses. When, if you would have raised your rent 5%, it all drops to the bottom, right? And so really ensuring that rent is appropriately set, especially if you've owned the asset for a long time, uh, especially if it's a multifamily property, where we really are talking about valuing it on NOI or the net operating income. And you might've gotten a little bit lax with renewal rent increases or, getting a little bit lax on really looking at what the market's doing when you're leasing out your home. We've seen a lot of, not a lot, more often than not, we'll see people that were taking over their properties. We look at their rents like, Hey, you could be getting a hundred dollars more a unit on this, right? It's like, Oh, I've had those tenants in there for a long time. They've been great. So start with rents, do a really good thorough rental analysis, understand how your units compare to others in the area, what the rent should be and start working those up at the renewal process or uh, if someone moves out of course at the release process. So that's where I'd start first. And then I think, you know, the the biggest next controllable expense is maintenance. And it may be that you need to invest some money in the form of CapEx, um, which doesn't necessarily hit the expense side of your balance sheet, but it's some cash out of your pocket to make some repairs, uh, upgrade some of the systems in the building or the property so that you have fewer kind of ongoing expenses for those things, whether it be, a, you know, the heating and cooling systems or the water heaters or whatever it might be, uh, those things do need to be upgraded over time. I think far too often as real estate investors, we're, we're kind of hoarding that cash. And so we, uh, many of us will say, hey, let's try and see if we can get that to limp along with another repair. But now you're doing several repairs on that furnace every year, and it's just hitting your expense category where instead of you could say, hey, I'm going to put four grand in or $5,000 in to, to upgrade this furnace or new, whatever it might be. Uh, putting in some capex, taking care of that preventative maintenance, um, I think is a quick way to to reduce the ongoing annual expense you're going to see.
1: Okay. Yeah. And and that was kind of getting into my next topic. You know, expenses can sometimes feel like they're just getting out of control Mm -hmm. and, you know, this thing's breaking, that thing's breaking and what happened the last month's income. Right. How do you as a company kind of help out your property owners to keep things under control and, and while still maintaining, you know, the quality of that property. So it's not losing value in its condition.
0: Yeah, I think, um, well, two, two comments on that. And I think one of them is that uh, at first it comes to mindset. And, uh, when you're speaking with new real estate investors or people who maybe have one or two homes or a duplex, sometimes they're not thinking about it as an investment, uh, Fully or a business fully. So they say, man, I had to contribute three hundred dollars to my property account this month because the rent got eaten up with some repairs, or you know maybe they're in a situation where they're actually, you know, I used to do with a lot of clients who are upside down on their home, and we'd be able to rent it out for twelve hundred bucks, but their all-in monthly cost was thirteen hundred dollars. They're saying, God, this is obnoxious. I'm putting a hundred bucks into this thing every month until I can get the rent to come up over the next couple of years, and. Thinking of it as an expense is the wrong way to look at it, in my mind, because it's an investment, and the question generally back to them is, well, how much money you put in your 401k? How much money are you putting into your investment accounts every month? Oh, well, like a 1,000. Well, this is an investment, right? And over time, you're going to get that money back, but you can't let it frustrate you and say, hey, I'm going to get out of the game because it's costing me some money. And and so obviously, the you know, if you're buying it as a true investment, you're not going to buy something where... You, your rent's not covering your expenses every month, but it's a good example of how that mindset works where oftentimes you might have a month where you had to replace some big components in the home or, or systems and you do have to put money in it. You've got to look at it as less of an expense and more of like, Hey, I'm investing in my investment. I'm putting more money aside. That's going to be compounding over time to be worth more. So I think the mindset's important. Uh, But then it comes down to just really ensuring that uh, you're on top of things, meaning when there is maintenance that has to be done in the home, that it's being done in a quality way so you're not going to have to fix it again six months later, that we're getting the best pricing we can from our vendors. And I think that's one of the benefits of using a larger property manager is we can oftentimes buy down the maintenance cost by talking with our handymen, our plumbers, our general contractors, painters, whatever they might be, say, hey, we're going to give you millions of dollars a year of business, but in return, we need a 20% discount. But you don't have to market for us. You know, We're going to pay you on time. All these benefits to a small business owner And they say, hey, that's fantastic. Steady income coming in. I'll give you a 20% discount all day long. Uh, And that discount gets passed along to our clients. So being able to almost group buy things helps keep those expenses low. And then I think also really understanding and doing good inspections. So a good move in inspection on the property and a good move out inspection. So you can compare the two and, and understand that some of the repairs or rehab costs you might have to do on a turn can easily be deducted from a security deposit if it was tenant damage. But you have to be able to prove it really really well or you're not going to win those cases if it goes to court so just being diligent on that move in that move out and understanding if it's mid-lease and something comes up uh, it may be the tenant's responsibility and you have to have one of those difficult conversations with them saying hey your, your kid was hanging on the mailbox and the mailbox tipped over like you got to fix it right that's not my responsibility and those little things all start to add up and can really reduce that monthly expense
1: yep i think that's huge you know ideally uh the the property's income should pay for all of its expenses right. but that's not always the case especially if you have you know high capital improvements in a specific month right so just changing your mindset like you've talked about uh, to think about the property as an investment not as you know just something that's going to pay you all the time right
0: you know I- ideally your property is going to cover all the expenses but there are going to be those months or those years where it's doesn't work out that way especially if you've had the property for a long time because you have to invest in keeping it up, uh, but again, that's money you're going to get back when you go to sell the property because it's been improved. And yeah. uh, so again, it's it's not necessarily an expense; it's not cash you're never going to see again. It's cash out of your pocket. That's never fun, but it's something you're going to hopefully get back over time.
1: Yep. Okay. Um, Want to shift a little bit here to when uh, an investor is looking at either buying or selling one of their properties. What is your role as a property manager? To, in that process, do you get involved at all to give kind of opinions and, and guidance or what do you,
0: uh, I think it depends on, it really depends on the client and what their needs are from us because some may work with really great real estate investment brokers that really understand how to do it. They can look at the numbers, um, get the information from us and put together the plan to market the property and sell it. And, uh, so there we just really act as, um, uh, an employee of the investor like we are anyway and and can get the information put together that, that they might need, whether that's lease documents, expense reports, you know, accounting statements, et cetera, and and really deliver that to the agent. Then there's times where people ask us to, you know, about where they could price their property or if now is a good time to sell or whatever it is. And one of the things we try and be at Renters Warehouse is very consultative with, with our clients. And so be able to work them through it and say, Hey, now would be a good time or now is not a good time. Or if you are going to sell it, what are you going to do with the money? So let's go try and see if we can't connect you with the right people or through our contacts and our agents find you your next property. So you can 1031 exchange that so you're not paying the tax. So we'll work as much as a consultant as we need to with folks. Um, but some people have the team already developed. So we just, you know, we kind of uh, work as an assistant, uh, so to speak. And uh, we can coordinate showings and arrange things like that. So I think it varies by every situation uh, depending on what our clients need. Okay.
1: Well, speaking about good times to sell or not. Yeah. Um can you give us any I'm gonna ask you to look into your crystal ball yeah. and tell us what's what's happening in the market, what's happening with rents, uh vacancy, uh you know, tenant concessions, you know, what's it gonna be like in the next six, twelve, twenty-four months?
0: I think um currently, um as we sit here in uh what are we coming, almost September of twenty nineteen. Um it's a great time to be a real estate investor. I think it has been for a long time, and frankly, I think it's going to be for a very long time. Uh, but what I mean by that specifically right now is vacancy in most markets across the United States is pretty low. We're seeing pretty aggressive price increases in a lot of markets. Uh, you know, on average across the country, when the economy is good, it seems like rents go up about three percent a year. Uh, some markets less, some markets more, uh, but we're seeing probably closer to an average of four and a half to five. Uh, in major metro areas, as far as rent increases are concerned. And that's just a supply and demand thing where the vacancy is low. There's not a lot of inventory for, for nice rentals in the market. And so, rents, we're seeing a nice increase in rents coming through. So, that's fantastic. I think that's going to continue to persist for a while. Um, and frankly, especially if there ends up being a recession anytime in the next 18 to 24 months, because it's going to prohibit people that maybe want to buy a home from being able to buy. They're going to have to rent. And it's going to, I think, fuel the demand for rentals. So I think there's going to be, you know, between now and two, three, four, five years from now, demand for uh, rental housing, whether it's a single family home, condo, apartment building, uh, I think it's very strong, especially in the single family market. That's what I know best based on what we do. Um, And, uh, you know. It's always hard to predict what's going to actually happen with the real estate market itself they've been talking about it you know going down for for many years i think there's a lot of false reporting in the media about really what's going on there's a lot of positive economic trends happening out there Uh, but also we're at the you know we're in kind of unknown uncharted territory with us now being in the longest economic expansion in the history of the country uh who knows when that's going to turn around but i'm a long-term real estate investor so would i buy a property today absolutely I'm looking at buying some property now because I'm not worried about a recession or economic downturn or real estate downturn in two years because I'm going to own it for 10, 15, 20 years anyway. It doesn't really matter, right? So I think if for real estate investors looking, I get the question a lot, should I really be buying now or should I wait till the next downturn? I don't think it matters. Uh, maybe if you can time the downturn right, you can get a little bit of a better deal. But if you're really investing in real estate the way you should be, which is for the long term, um, doesn 't matter if you buy it now for two hundred grand or you wait a year and a half and it happens to be one eighty five right it, it just doesn 't matter in the grand scheme of things so i would i 'm a buyer i 'm almost always a buyer though because i 'm a twenty year old guy yeah that 's some great uh,
1: perspective there well listen kevin um, we 're going to be wrapping things up here. I want to shift gears to talk a little bit more about yourself and mm-hmm. we appreciate all the um, insight that you 've shared kind of about the Real estate market and um, property management best practices. Um, as we wrap up, I just want to give the audience a chance to get to know you a little bit more. Sure. Um, so, can you tell me why you get up in the morning? Uh,
0: uh, that's a that's a good question. Uh, my alarm clock is usually what uh, gets me up in the morning. But look, I am uh, I'm really passionate about what I do. Right. Uh, aside from building a business, and uh, I'm passionate about growing a really good big business that employs a lot of people and helps families in that regard and, and things like that. And that's that's exciting. But I love real estate. Um I love uh teaching people how to invest in real estate, how to create financial freedom and wealth independence through real estate. I wrote a book on it called The Rent Estate Revolution. It gives tips on how to get started in this and really why you should. And I think ultimately the American dream has changed a little bit with the fact that you know pensions went away in the, the late 80s. You really can't get a pension unless you work for the government now. Uh, and it's, so it's on all of us individuals to be planning for what we're going to do in retirement. That's not always fun and exciting, but I think real estate such an amazing, powerful tool to be able to do that because you can have a fairly small amount of money and buy an investment property due to the fact that you can leverage the bank's money to buy it. Uh, It's one of the few assets or really the only one I know of that ordinary Americans can go to their bank and actually borrow money to buy an investment. Imagine going to your banker and trying to borrow a hundred grand to buy Apple stock, right? They're going to laugh you out of the bank, same hundred thousand dollars, same banker to buy a residential real estate property. They're going to give it to you. And so you can get in for pretty little money down and like all investments, if you start early, um, the the compounding effects of of all of the magical levers that real estate has uh, is, is just huge. And so, I love sharing that with people. I love helping people achieve that dream, build their portfolio, and hopefully make some sort of small dent in the what I think is a retirement crisis that 's happening in our country because people are woefully unprepared for this, especially up and coming generations and uh, so that's that 's what excites me and if i wasn 't doing it in the fa- the capacity I am today, which is as a property manager and, and growing a property management firm and a real estate investment services company. Uh, I'd be doing it a different way, whether that was just educating people on it, speaking on it, whatever it might be. And so that's what really excites me and um, uh, I think kind of drives me to get up every morning.
1: Wonderful. Um, Another question I have for you is looking back in your life, what was maybe a pivotal moment or person or event that kind of changed you or or made you who you are today?
0: Hmm. Um, You know, I can think of a couple that come to mind, Uh, and one, I used to be a corporate pilot, so I flew flew corporate jets for a living before I did this full-time. I was investing in real estate at the time, and that's kind of how I got into the business. And in the real estate, uh, in the recession uh, in 2009, I got laid off from that job. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm not gonna put myself in a position ever again to let someone have that much control over my family's well-being and my financial future and my life, et cetera, and that was really what made me jump into being an entrepreneur full-time. And, uh, that has been something that I've, that's stuck with me for a long time and and motivate me to say, Hey, I'm going to go be 100% in charge of what happens to me versus just working for someone else. And that's what worked for me. Uh, so that was definitely powerful. Uh, and then I also, um, you know, from a professional development, personal development, trying to get better every day scenario. Um, I stumbled onto uh, one of my mentors, whose name is Darren Hardy. Uh, he's a, uh, kind of renowned success mentor, I think he calls himself, but uh, uh, public speaking figure, written some books, a lot of great, you know, different uh, professional development courses, things like that, found him, eventually uh, worked uh, through a lot of his course long enough to actually meet him and uh, uh, know him now on a personal level. And he's just been uh, kind of a like-minded person who's who's had a lot of success, uh, much more success than me and, and much earlier than me. Uh, to help guide me and motivate me and continue to have me develop over time. And so whether it was in a life event, like getting laid off and saying, Hey, I'm going to go take this on, on my own and make sure I'm in charge of my future or, you know, really finding, uh, people, mentors, uh, and, and folks to follow
1: that inspire me, uh, has been, you know, really important as well. Great. All right. Two more questions. Uh, what is your favorite way to kind of give back to the world? Hmm. Um, Man,
0: I like to do things that are local, uh, and so that's generally our my family getting together and going to our church and volunteering uh, and giving back to the different community events and programs they have there, uh, or finding the local or regional, you know, nonprofits and charities to give back to. That do The reason I like to do things local is I just I think you have you understand where the impact happens more. You can kind of see it happen. Um, there's smaller organizations that generally have less fluff, so to speak, and so more of your time and treasures are going back to the cause uh, and you can really kind of watch that happen. I also believe in, you know, you need to take care of your neighbor before you can really take care of anybody else. Uh, So I like to do things local, whatever that might be very passionate about military veterans uh, and then uh, just local other local charities and events.
1: Wonderful. Okay. Last question is how can our audience get in touch with you?
0: Yep. Uh, Let's see. LinkedIn is a great way, very active and live on LinkedIn. So search me, Kevin Ortner uh, on LinkedIn You'll find uh, me and my profile there, shoot me a message, connect with me, follow me. We're putting out lots of good, uh, what I think is good content, good educational material around real estate investing, how to get started, tips and tricks, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, so that's the best way to find me. And then you can find Renters Warehouse uh, at renterswarehouse.com, learn all about our company services there, what we have to offer and uh, and watch us there as well. Great.
1: Well, Kevin, I, like I said before, I really appreciate you coming in today and you know, sharing all this great knowledge and insight to our listeners and viewers. And so I I appreciate you.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on, John. Appreciate it.
1: Wonderful. Talk to you later. The opinions shared on this show are for informational purposes only and should not be taken as a solicitation for representation or investments in any specific offering. Please consult with your financial, legal, tax, and real estate advisor before making any investment decisions. John Stiles is a licensed Minnesota real estate agent with Bridge Realty. Thanks for tuning in to Maximizing Your Property Value, the apartment owner's guide to operating rental properties as a successful business. If you're considering scaling up, downsizing, or right-sizing your real estate investment portfolio, it's important to know how to determine your property's value in today's market. That's why I've put together a free e-book for you called How to Calculate Your Investment Property's Value. To get your copy, go to www.realestatestyles.com forward slash value. Now, if you found any value in today's show, be sure to subscribe to our email newsletter, YouTube channel, and podcast through your favorite podcast player. All the links are in the show notes. And would you do me a big favor? Help me get the word out about this show by sharing with your friends on Facebook and LinkedIn. And lastly, we appreciate your five-star rating on iTunes. I really appreciate you, and wish you the best in your real estate investing career. Signing off, I'm John Stiles with Bridge Realty. Make it a great day.